Welcome back to the best in the business, baby. This is the Inside Life and Godliness podcast. And here we talk about faith, lifestyle, and arbitrary issues. My name is Noram Ihoma, and you're very much welcome to this episode of this series that we've been running. So, for those of us that are joining us for the very first time, you're welcome to this lovely podcast. Please feel free to be listening to previous episodes. I'm sure that you will get a run for your time and if you're a returning listener thanks so much for sticking with us and listening to everything that we put out here we're going to be continuing um our series on romance so if you've listened to previous episodes you hear me say that one of my best books in the bible is the book of romance and i'm just doing a peripheral work on the book of romance i believe that after this recording or after listening to this podcast it will spur you to to read your bible especially the book of romance if you're a first time believer or you you have been a believer for quite a while and you don't read your bible the best book i would advise that you start with is not genesis it's not leviticus it's not first chronicles neither is it second chronicles neither is it malachi it is romance so when you start with romance then you can proceed to other books this is my personal belief because Roman talks about your salvation. Romance talks about the basics of the Christian faith. Having said all of this, I want to know how you're doing. I want to know how you're faring. Are you fine? Are you good? Are you chill? Are you okay? <laughs> For me, I'm fine. But guys, I just realized that I'm too young to be experiencing emotional stress. I'm too young to be experiencing emotional stress. And I've come to realize that when people say they are going through things, it doesn't always have to be financial. Sometimes there's just a lot of emotional stress at this young phase of someone's life where you have many decisions to make, many steps to take, um, and walking in the wrong direction can alter your life permanently. So our, our hope and our anchor is that we have God and that the steps of the, of the righteous are ordered. And we just have God, so God will guide our steps. So that's my own hope, and that's my own say. I just hang on to the word, because right now there's nothing that makes sense outside of the word of God, and that's what I choose to believe. Okay, so we're, we, the last um, in the last episode, we talked about Romans 1, 2, 3. Today, we're going to talk about Romans 4, 5, 6. Next episode, we're going to talk about Romans 7, 8, 9, um, 10, 11, 12, and then... Because it's 16 chapters, it's now be 13, 14, 15, and then 16. So let's delve into Romans 4, 5, 6. Now, when you come to Romans 4, you begin to see Paul explaining the concept of faith and righteousness using the father of the Jews, which is Abraham. And they say Abraham is our father. When they were talking to Jesus, Abraham is our father. And then using one of the... um using one of the most influential people in Israel, King David. So, Paul begins to talk about Abraham, the forefather of the Jews. He said that if Abraham had works to boast about, then he would not be able to stand before God. So, Abraham's um, ability to stand before God was not because of his works. He said, for even scripture says that Abraham believed God and it was counted or it was credited to him as righteousness. So, it was on account of Abraham's believing in God that righteousness was credited unto him, not because of any other thing. You can find this particular quotation in Genesis 15, verse 6 and 22. Now, Paul now continued. He said, 
if we work for something of course if you go and work for something you're deserving of your wages and whatever you are paid is not seen as a gift because you worked for it you earned it right so if you work for something and you earned it for righteousness we didn't work for it therefore righteousness is a gift and it was credited to us just as we believed god and we did not work for it so he even spoke that if like um using abraham also abraham believed god okay i think we'll talk about that we'll talk about that yeah if you continue if we continue going down you'll see that so he said he even spoke about david saying it so david prophesied about it in psalms 32 verse 1 to 2 where he said that blessed is the man whose sin is not imputed unto him and i was like first of all how was david able to capture so many things that were regarding jesus and i'm sure he didn't even know god almost all the references were going to psalms how was how was david able to capture it i was just thinking i was like wow that man so paul now continued to speak and he told us about how the righteousness that abraham received abraham did not receive the righteousness um the righteousness he received was not after the circumcision rather the righteousness he received was before the circumcision and the circumcision was now the seal of the righteousness or the sign that he had received or he he had faith so when abraham believed god it was credited to him for for righteousness and god knew that ah, this one is a righteous man because he had believed in god and i said okay on account of believing what you do for me is that we will now start circumcising the people in your household so the circumcision came as a result of the belief not the belief as a result of circumcision Abraham did not circumcise himself and God now said, okay, now you start believing. But Abraham believed first and then circumcision came later. So as a result of this, Paul now told us something. Ah, which is smart and which is beautiful. <coughs> Paul said, as a result of this, Abraham is the father of those who believe and yet are not circumcised. Abraham is also the father of those who, who, were, who were circumcised and yet walk in the path as he walked. So for those that are Jewish Christians, they have been circumcised and they believe Abraham is their father. And for those that have believed too, but they are not circumcised, Abraham is also their father. But those people that are circumcised and I don't believe, and then they don't believe, I don't think Abraham is your father also. You better go and look for your father. So he then continued. He even said that even the promise that Abraham received was not under the law um in verse 14 he says something he said if those who live by the law are heirs faith has no value and the promise is worthless because they were not obtained under the law or as a result of obeying the law they were obtained by just believing the promise abraham received was not by it was not under the law he was before the law so he did not obtain the promise under the law he obtained the promise by just believing and not doing anything particularly and because the law cannot necessarily produce so aha 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 let me go further now um, paul then begins to tell us about the law paul says the law cannot necessarily produce anything outside of wrath and condemnation because where there is no law there's no transgression there's so there's no way that the law could now sustain the promise the promise was obtained before the law so the promise came by faith how we lay hold on the promise is by faith. How we capture and enter into that promise is by faith. 
so that we have now entered into a realm of grace. So I put it like this. Righteousness obtained by faith leads us, um, shows us grace. Righteousness obtained by um, works leads us to the law. Uh, I don't know if you understand me. So, um, the promise comes by faith, which then opens us into an economy called grace, the kindness of God, the goodness of God, the benevolence of God. And this promise is guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, both of the law, those ones that, that are in the law and believe, um, and those that have obtained it by faith. And that is why Abraham is called our father. According to Genesis 17:5, we see that Abraham was called as the father of many nations. Now, after this, Paul then goes down to begin to tell us about Abraham and how he obtained faith. And if you've watched my YouTube video, I uploaded a YouTube video on our YouTube channel, which is the ILG channel. If you've watched my YouTube video, you would see where I spoke up a um. I give a little insight into the, the person of Abraham and into the concept of faith and how it is always wonderful to see how Abraham, you know, was strong in faith. He staggered not in faith. Scripture says that he knew his body was as good as dead and Sarah's womb was dead, but he did not consider it. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding God's promise, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And so this was credited to him for righteousness. Then this crediting is also for us who believe, as God will credit us to. So we who believe, and what do we believe? We believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins, and we believe that he rose up again for our justification. So this is the whole summary of chapter 4. Paul gave us a, 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 a discussion or Paul gave us an argument using the life of Abraham just so that you're thinking that, oh, this gospel is coming from somewhere or this gospel is a new concept. In chapter 1, it told us that this was prophesied by the Lord and the prophets. In chapter 4, it shows us that even your forefather, even the person that you claim is your forefather, Abraham, he walked in this path. Now, if we go down to chapter 5, chapter 5 begins to tell us on the concept of justification and condemnation. Now, Paul broadens more on justification. He says that we are justified through faith. So our justification comes by faith. How we are justified um, before God is by faith. Because scripture says that according to Habakkuk 2 verse 4, the just shall live by faith. As a result of this faith, as a result of this justification, we have obtained peace with God. So we are now at peace with God. The answer to all of this is faith into the grace of God. Because of this, we can now rejoice in glory and in suffering, my God. When you hear glory, you are excited, but now you hear suffering, you're like, uh. However, our suffering is not in vain. The end product is, of all this suffering is hope. The hope of our salvation. Hope that never disappoints. When I read the scripture, I began to meditate on it because I always remember that people always say it is the hope that kills. But then scripture tells us that hope never disappoints. So choose today whose hope you believe in. Is it the hope that kills or is it the hope that never disappoints? Then, um, 
Paul then begins to compare condemnation and justification. So he said, Christ died for us while we were sinners. He died for the ungodly. And one thing that was striking to me is how he said at the right time. Like at the very right time, that's when Christ died for us. It just made me realize that no time is too late for God. No time is too late for my Jesus. Now, he continued and went ahead said, It is impossible for anybody to die for an upright person. And for somebody that is very good and very noble, maybe one person might want to die. But we, we were useless before God. We were helpless before God. We were of no use to God. But yet, God demonstrated his love by Christ died for us. This is Romans 5.5. 5. He shows his utmost love, even if you are not feeling love. You know, a lot of times we try to judge God's love for us by our emotions, how we feel. Paul is telling us, even if you are not feeling loved, God loves you. What is the show that God loves you? By dying on the cross for you. Mm-hmm. By sending his son to die on the cross for you. Now, then we're told that by reason of the blood of Jesus, we are justified. We have been saved from God's wrath. We were God's enemies, but due to the death of Jesus, we have been reconciled back to God and we are saved by his life. We're told that we now rejoice in God through Jesus Christ as we have now received reconciliation. So we can now rejoice because we have received reconciliation. Now, he goes ahead to keep on telling us that although sin entered this world through one man, death came in through this sin. So sin came in through one man, death came in through this sin. And then since all men sinned, death appeared to all men. Death came to all men. Now, Paul goes ahead to tell us that where there is no law, sin is not taken into account. They cannot account sin because there is no law. But because sin is beyond what we do. He told us that. I want us to understand that many a times, some parts in Romans, when Paul is talking about sin, he's not just talking about sin as per what you do, like um, maybe when you steal or when you fight or when you kill. He's actually talking about the sinful nature of man because ah, there's this thing that Watchman Neo um, said. He says that it you are not a sinner because you sinned. I think I said it in one of the previous episodes. And what does he mean by you are not a sinner because you sinned, um, or you are not a sinner because you sinned? Yeah, because you stole or anything. Because there are people that are like that. They don't steal. They don't lie. They don't kill. They don't do certain things. But it does not. Stop them from being sinners. This is because sin is beyond what you do. It is first in nature. And it is the nature problem that Jesus came to address. Because if he addresses the nature problem, then every other thing will be rectified. I gave that illustration in the previous episode. So when there was no law, sin isn't, or when there is no law, sin isn't taken into account. But because sin is beyond what we do, it is first in nature, which results in death. Death reigned from the time of Adam. Adam, who was a representative of the one that was to come, that is Jesus Christ. So, through one man, death came into the world, sin came into the world, judgment came into the world, condemnation came into the, to the world. Through another man, the gift of God has appeared to all men. How beautiful is that is. How beautiful that is. Sorry for the error. Through one, man, through one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. And through one man's obedience, Many will be made righteous. How beautiful is that? 
The law increased the trespass, however, we're assured that where there is abundance of sin, there is abundance of grace. And just as sin reigns in men and results in death, God's grace now reigns in men and results in righteousness, which gives us eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen, somebody. That is beautiful. Through one man, death came into the world. Through another man, righteousness has come into the world. Eternal life has come into the world. Ah, all good things of life has come into the world. The beauty of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Now, the last chapter for the day, which is chapter 6. Chapter 6 opens us up into the result or the effects and workings of the death of Jesus in our physical body and spirit. While Romans 5 begins, um, tells us that Jesus Christ died for us, Romances includes us in this death. So in Romans 5, we're told that Jesus died for us. He justified us. He made us have peace before the Father. Um, he granted us eternal life. He has brought God's gift to us. Romances now begins to include us in this death of Jesus Christ. So Romans 6 starts by telling us that Christ did not just die. He did not just die like that, like that. We died with Christ. We were represented in the death of Christ. So, if grace abounds, when sin abounds, then grace is not a license for sinning. You know, in the previous chapter, we were told that where there is abundance of sin, there is abundance of grace. Now, Paul now begins to tell us that, will you continue, how did he put it? Um, shall we continue, what then shall we say to this thing? Shall we continue? Ah, KJV, KJV. I'm trying to quote KJV. It's not, it's not clicking. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Know you not that whom ye... Ah, please forgive me. I must look for that scripture. So that... What then shall we... What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer daring? You see? So, if grace is abounding and sin is abounding, grace is not a license for sinning. This is because we die to sin as a nature. If we die to the nature of sin, the ability to sin is now absent. Somebody shout glory! Now, we died when we identified with Christ by baptism. We identified to his death. And not just to his death, but to his resurrection. We identified to life or with life. We are now united in Christ. Our old self, our sinful nature was crucified with Christ. We are no longer slaves of sin. So we're not bound by sin any longer. We have, um, we have, we have power over sin. We died with Christ. We live with Christ because Christ died once and for all. And he cannot die again. Why? He defeated death. Therefore, death does not have dominion over him. And if death does not have dominion over Christ, death does not have dominion over us. Now, how is this applicable in our lives? Because of this, because of all this, we count ourselves. We reckon ourselves as dead to sin. We reckon ourselves as alive unto God. We do not let sinful desires control us. We do not offer our bodies to sin, but to God with a mindset, with a consciousness that we have been brought from death to life. We have been bought. We were bought with a price. 
Sin, therefore, is not a master because we are under grace, not the law. If you were under the law, maybe sin would take its hold over you, but we are not under the law. We are not bound by it. We are under grace. Now, Paul tells us again in verse 15 that grace is not a license for sin. We used to be slaves of sin. We used to offer our bodies leading to death. But now we have been set free from sinful nature, from sin, from its nature, from its bondage. We have become slaves of righteousness. Glory! So now we have the nature of righteousness in us. There is therefore now no excuse to act out sin, to now steal, to now kill, to lie, because we have been delivered from the nature of sin. Therefore, the grace of God cannot be used as an excuse for wrongdoing. We've been delivered from such nature. Grace has provided the power to live accordingly. We must offer our members consciously, not religiously, but with the mindset that we now have the nature, the nature of God within us. So it's an outflow. It's an outpouring of the nature that is within us. So we must offer our, our members, our body, consciously to righteousness we're now told in romans 6 23 that the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord amen how beautiful is the book of romans knowing that we have been delivered so so saved healed delivered we have been delivered and we are now one with christ we died with him we live in him, we live unto him, we offer our members unto him, we are conscious of the grace of God at work in our lives, and we are not bound by the desires of the flesh, but we are led by the Spirit. This is the summary of Romans 4, 5, and 6. Um, in the next episode, we're going to discuss Romans 7, 8, 9. I'll see you in the next episode, and I hope that you enjoyed this little review. If you did, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, inside underscore L-I-A-G. Um, favorite this podcast so that you can get notifications for um, upcoming podcasts. Follow us on, on YouTube at the I-L-A-G channel. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all podcast streaming platforms. I'll see you in the next episode. And bye.